when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Hello, my darlings. How is your January going? I hope it's going awesome. My first week back was nuts, but all good, all good. All right, we're going to start before we talk about the upper limit problem with a reader shout out. This is from Trial Guides by Vicki S. Oh, I know who this is. Vicki, love you. Hostage to Hero. What is happening in the jury box, she says. This book is an amazingly accurate portrayal of the juror's journey. There's a reason our founding fathers believed steadfastly in jurors. We should too. This book will restore your faith in the jury system. Oh, thank you so much for that five-star review, Vicki. Appreciate that and appreciate those of you continuing to get your reviews in. I have a new goal, 500 reviews. So we got to get some 400 plus going this year. I know we can do it. The From Hostage to Hero community is the best community in the world. If I haven't thanked you enough, I just want to thank you again for all of your support for last year and all my medical dramas. I hope I was uh, offering some entertainment value at the same time, (laughs) but I love you. You guys are the loves of my life. I love you. I love you. So thanks again. All right. Well, last week, if you haven't listened to that podcast, you definitely should go listen to that one first before you listen to today. But we talked about how you have to make a big leap to get into your zone of genius. And we talked about how to find your zone of genius. And we talked about why you want to live in your zone of genius and that you want to spend at least 70% of your time there. So let's talk today about the reason, the big reason that's stopping you from getting into your zone of genius. And that is the upper limit problem. Now, as I mentioned last week, both the zone of genius and the upper limit problem come from a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. If you haven't gotten that book already, I highly suggest that you do. And in that book, he talks about the four zones. So I'll quickly review those here. The first zone is your zone of incompetence, things that you're not good at doing. The second zone is your zone of competence, things you're good at, you're not good at doing, but things you can do, but other people can do them just as well. Then you have your zone of excellence, which are things you do extremely well. And then there's your zone of genius. And this is where what you're uniquely suited to do combines with what you love to do and magic happens. Now, as we talked about last week, the zone of excellence is the most dangerous zone because it's your comfort zone. Because you are operating there and doing things extremely well, you won't unless someone like me comes along and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, 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 wake up. You won't want to to do any better because our brains are wired to keep us safe. So therefore, this is a nice cushy place and it's not bad. It's a pretty good life here. But what I'm offering you and what the zone of genius is offering you is an extraordinary life if you would just make the big leap into your zone of genius. So what's keeping us in the zone of excellence? 
Well, as we as we talked about, um, there is this thing called the upper limit problem. So let's define that before we go further. So the upper limit pr- uh, problem, as Gay Hendricks defines it, and, and maybe I put my, my twist on it too, is we have a limited tolerance for feeling good. Now, I know that sounds backwards as fuck because you think we all want to feel good. But the fact of the matter is we have a limited tolerance for feeling good. And I'm going to walk you through why that is today. The first issue is because our brain is wired to resist change. It wants to keep things the same. So when you hit your upper limit, meaning that place where you are living in a bigger house than you've ever lived in, where you are making now more money than you've ever made before, where you are suddenly in a brand new relationship, where you have just given birth. I mean, there's some newness in your life. That's awesome. It's a good, awesome thing. Think of this like a a thermometer. It's like in my house in the wintertime, I am super freezing if it drops below 68 degrees, but I'm sweating my ass off if it's over 70 degrees. There's like this two degree place that's my comfort zone, right? So think of your upper limit as like 71 degrees in my house. It's like the minute I, I go over 70 degrees, I like I'm uncomfortable. And then I go to the thermostat and I turn it back down. This is exactly what we do in our lives. When we get a little bit above what is comfortable for us in terms of feeling good, our brain freaks the fuck out because it wants to keep everything the same. Change is scary for the brain. We are wired since we were humans to scan the horizon for danger and keep things the same because anything different could be dangerous, okay? The second reason we have the upper limit problem is because why, why brains are wired to be efficient. So every time you do something new, it requires new brain wiring. It just, that's how we create new neural pathways. I mean, this is this whole idea of what got you there or here won't get you there. Like my transition from a solo entrepreneur, solopreneur, I guess is what they call it, to an entrepreneur, two completely different skill sets. What got me here as a solopreneur is not going to get me to the next place as an entrepreneur with staff and, and systems and all other kinds of things. So when your brain encounters something new, it has to work harder and it's not wired for that either. It likes to keep things efficient. So that's another reason that's going to pull you back down into your comfort zone. And the third thing, this is not in the book, this is my my thoughts on this, is that when we feel good, we're intensely present outside of like chemically altering our state with drugs or alcohol to quote unquote feel good. I mean, just feeling good. You're watching your kid play. You're enjoying a sunset. You're laughing with friends. I mean, you are intensely present in that moment. And that's the problem. (laughs) Because when you're intensely present, all the stuff that you've been avoiding pops up. And that also brings us back down our comfort zone. Oh, I shouldn't enjoy this moment because now I have to feel all the shit that I've been trying to push down because I'm being present. Now, there are three emotional states of being or, or, or ways of being that I see get triggered when we are feeling good. So weird, but it's so true. We'll feel good, go back to that idea of the sunset or watching your kid play, 
and immediately feel one of these three things. See which one sounds more like you. The first one is guilt, i.e. I don't deserve to feel this good. I haven't done anything to deserve it. So you're feeling great. You're watching the sunset and you're like, ah, this is awesome. But, you know, I didn't get everything done today. I meant to fold all the laundry and it's still sitting in the washing machine. Oh my God, I forgot to send that letter and that bill, right? I don't deserve this because I haven't earned it. That's, that's guilt when we feel good. The second emotional state that gets triggered for some people is worry. What if I never feel this way again? I.e. something could happen to take this away. So you're sitting there, if you're me, watching your kid, you know, cook with dad and having come through cancer, I'm thinking, oh my God, this is so wonderful. I love this. And then I think, oh my God, what if I'm not going to be here? What if, what if, what if I'll never see this again? Right? So that worry comes in. Third state of being that I see happen quite a bit is perfectionism. If I allow myself to feel good, then I won't ever improve because we have this bullshit idea that we must always be improving. And somehow allowing ourselves to savor a moment means that I won't be motivated to change. I'm going to get lazy. I'm going to get sloppy, right? I got to constantly be punching myself. I mean, that's the month of January, right? That's what we do because we're like, well, enough sitting on our ass. Let's get out there and punish ourselves every all this month. And then it all goes to shit anyway by the end of the month. This is how we're operating, right? I think this is a big one for many of you listening. If I enjoy this moment, well, then I'm getting a little soft. I'm getting a little lazy. Can't let that happen. Got to keep myself, you know, going. Crack the whip. Which one elicits for you? Which emotion when you hit your your upper limit? Tends to be one of those three. Now, here's what happens when we hit that upper limit problem, is we start exhibiting upper limit behaviors. Meaning when we feel good, we create these personal dramas to bring us back down into our comfort zone. So uh, that's a real fancy way for saying we self-sabotage. So for example, we might start criticizing or blaming either ourselves or other people. We start deflecting, right? That's a great way to not feel good. Somebody gives you a compliment, you go, oh no, it really was nothing. Um, so we don't let that good feeling land. We pick arguments. I, I was telling the crew a story about on New Year's Eve. We had a great New Year's Eve. It was one year exactly from my diagnosis, as you all know. And half an hour before midnight, I picked the largest fight that Kevin and I had probably this whole year. Like, what the hell? And then I was like, oh, upper limit problem. I was feeling awesome. And so I had didn't have a limited tolerance for that. My tolerance is getting much better, by the way. And so I did something to bring us back down to what was normal. Kevin and I used to fight all the fucking time before we became coaches and learned how all this shit works. Great example, we moved into our dream house. Kevin's finally going to get his man cave. Orders two brand new, beautiful leather chairs from Pottery Barn. All of his records are in the room. He's got his drum set set up. It's totally his room. My fingerprints aren't on it at all. He buys the 65-inch, you know, flat screen TV. He goes to, to hang it up hits a water pipe, we flood our entire basement. Upper limit problem. Classic. Now, I'm not saying he consciously was like, I'm, I don't deserve this, so I'm going to ruin my basement. But under the surface, our bodies are very connected to our subconscious. 
And they are going to react in a certain way, which is really the fourth way, the upper limit behavior is we get sick or we get hurt sometimes. When we are not heeding that call of the zone of genius, which I talked about last time, we will, we will get sick or hurt sometimes to get out of doing the mundane shit that we know we really shouldn't be doing. I know there was one year where I had 13 colds, 13 colds. It's insane. So what we'll do is we'll sabotage ourselves so that we don't have to feel or be in that place of feeling good. I know it sounds totally backwards, but think to yourself the last time something quote unquote bad happened. I'm going to ask you a question. What was happening right before? I don't mean minutes before, although it could be. I mean like just in the week or months before. I guarantee you in nearly every case when I'm coaching clients, they'll say something like, I just want a verdict. Or when I was doing corporate, I just got a promotion. Or, you know, my kid just brought home an award. Or I just got a raise. It's freaky when you start looking at it, how we do this. So here's how you overcome your upper limit problem so that you can make that leap into your zone of genius. The first thing is to manage your saboteurs. Right? So saboteurs, for those of you who are new to me, are the voices that we create from our upbringing from very early age that, you know, trying to keep us safe. And so their job is to be in our ear all the time telling us that things are scary and that we shouldn't make changes, that we shouldn't make big leaps, we shouldn't take risks. And so if you really want to overcome this upper limit problem, you will recognize that that voice is not you and that it is just your brain wiring that is afraid to make the big leap and that it can calm the fuck down and you've got this shit. Now, if you join the crew, we talk all about how to manage your saboteurs all the time. We've got trainings on it. But just know the biggest way to to tame your saboteurs is to recognize they're not you. And that when you hear that voice, that it is a voice from years and years ago that is trying to keep you safe. And then you can say, thank you, but I've got this. Number two is to practice feeling good. I know that's a really crazy thing to say, but we have to increase our tolerance for feeling good. So that means the next time that you are enjoying something, you actually spend time enjoying it. Really sink into it. Breathe deeply. If a negative thing comes up around guilt or worry or perfectionism, again, you just say, thank you. I know that's how you're wired brain, but I'm just going to enjoy this moment. And you breathe into it and you just savor it. Which brings us to number three, which is you need to be practice feeling, period. Any kinds of feelings. See, the more you try to shove down the feelings you don't want to feel, the more backed up you're going to get. And the more they're going to show up in those good feeling times. Whereas if instead... You actually allowed yourself to feel sad when you were sad or mad when you're mad or whatever. They just pass right through. You feel them and they go away. But the more that you avoid feeling them by either drinking or overeating or shoving them down, whatever it might be, when you have these good moments, these feeling good moments, 
then they will be overtaken by these emotions because you are intensely present and these emotions will come up and they'll ruin it for you. So feel them when they're happening. Feelings can't hurt you. Practice feeling and you will train your body to recognize feelings can't hurt me because they can't. Now, once you recognize that A, you do have a zone of genius and that's what something you are uniquely suited to do and that you also love doing and that the reason you haven't gone there is because the brain is wired to keep you from that place and to keep you safe in your zone of excellence and that the way that the brain does that is the upper limit problem, meaning you self-sabotage every time you start to get close to doing something different and exciting and awesome, here's how you actually finally make that big leap. Three things I have for you. As you know, I always love my three things. First, commit to making it happen. No excuses. Commit that you are here to live your biggest, awesomest life and that you will make the leap. That's the first thing. Second thing is decide on the one thing that is going to make you or allow you to make that big leap. For me, it was closing Forte, right? Once I recognized that I was meant to work with plaintiff trial attorneys, I had to make a huge decision and I closed Forte. People are like, well, how, how do I find that decision? You'll know. You'll know. The minute you go, this is my zone of genius, your, what you need to, to do to make that leap is going to be super obvious. Y- your brain won't want to recognize it. It'll have all kinds of shit to say. Well, we can do this slowly. Oh, we can, we can maybe work our way there. You don't get to your zone of genius by hops. Why? Because when you're hopping there quietly, your saboteur is going to get a hold of you. It's almost like you got to just jump out of the saboteur pot and into your zone of genius before they know what the hell happened. When you're doing it little by little, they just get their claws deeper and deeper and deeper until you're like, what was that dream I had again? Number three, decide on your yes, no list. Once you make that leap, you got to say, okay, now that I'm in my zone of genius, here are the things I'm saying yes to and here's the things I'm, I'm saying no to. For me, once I shut Forte down, I had to decide I don't no longer take corporate training. Was that hard? Oh, hell yeah, because the calls kept coming in. And I wasn't making a lot of money doing the legal stuff yet. So I really wanted to take that. But I knew I couldn't make money doing the legal stuff until I created legal programs. So if I took the corporate training, then I wouldn't have the time for to make the legal trainings. So my assistant, my lovely darling assistant, Christy, had to keep reminding me, remember, this is on your no list. Remember, this is on your no list. Have a clear yes and no list. And finally, take full ownership of your time. No excuses. You decide how this shit goes, period. If you're like, well, I don't. I work for, for someone else. Then quit. Maybe that's your big leap. Go open your own firm. Listen, your dreams are worth fighting for. You want to get to the end of your life and say, I couldn't quit my job because why? And I never got happy. I'm not saying you have to quit your job. I'm saying if that's what comes up for you, then fucking do it. You got to leap first and then the universe will meet you. It doesn't work the other way around. We want it to work the other way. We want to have all this evidence that's going to work out. Never happens. Never, not once. I've never, ever heard a story of someone saying I had all this evidence. So then I leaped. Leap, by the way, is my year for or word for 2022. 
It's always the other way around. I had no idea that this was fucking going to work out. And then I leaped. And it did. And it always does. If you're committed, you can't like leap and then get some evidence that it's not working out and quit. I got all kinds of fucking evidence that it wasn't working out. We had to take loans out. I went bankrupt at one point. But look where I am now. Would I go back and go through all that again? Oh, hell the fucking yeah. Because it's a bit awesome. Has it always felt awesome? No. But it was totally fucking worth it. I'm now with you, my people, who are the loves of my life. I keep telling you that. You literally are. Everything I do is for you. Every book I'm reading, I'm like, how am I going to bring this back and teach about this? It's worth it. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it is worth it. All right. If you want some help with putting this all down, pen on paper, get the Life by Design course now, if not yesterday, from hostageyourhero.com forward slash. No, I think it's just there. Life by Design on the on the homepage. You can go buy it. It's available now. And sign up for the crew. We open June or January 26th. 27, 28, three days only. And as I said last week, the price is going to be jacked up to the highest price ever in April. So this is literally your very last time to get in at this low price. All right. Talk next week. Thanks for joining me today. If you benefited from what we talked about or just want to let me know you enjoy the podcast, go ahead and leave me a review on whichever platform you use to listen to From Hostage to Hero. Add a comment and I just might give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. In the meantime, head over to FromHostageToHero.com to order your copy of my book, From Hostage to Hero, Captivate the Jury by Setting Them Free. And to get on my mailing list, I send out trial tips and encouragement right to your inbox every single week. And while you're there, make sure you join the waitlist to become an H2H crew member when we reopen. We only open a few times each year and you do not want to miss out. I look forward to our time together in next week's episode. Talk then. Talk then.